everybody. Welcome to BO Boys for Monday, May 17th. Fuck it. It's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat, but we're not done, Clayton. We usually stop at the I'm Pat and then we start the show, but we can't do that today. No. Because we have a guest and uh, welcome Jeff Bach from Exhibitor Relations Co. Thanks for being our third mic today. Dang, guys. It is a pleasure. I mean, the box office boys, as you know, like... Timothy Chalamet are legendary. That's just how you guys roll, and I love it. I am wearing a hoodie. Jeff Jeff pointed out I'm wearing a hoodie, but I'm not wearing... There is only one legendary hoodie. True story. And, True story. Yeah. Um, someday. With something we should all aspire to is, is wearing a legendary hoodie. So, Jeff, before we get into... And this is going to be a huge show. I mean, we got opening weekends from spiral we got summer movie preview we got theaters opening up we have a late breaking gigantic merger and sale and it's it's a little streamo news but we got to get into it we have that but before we get into it jeff could you just let everyone know quickly who you are and about exhibitor relations co of course everyone who's listening to the show it would be crazy if they weren't fully aware if they weren't but you might have one or two stragglers people like you know tuning in accidentally on the dial happened on the show so give us the the 411 on on erc yeah exhibitor relations co is the box office authority since 1974 one of the oldest box office tracking firms in the nation and i guess that makes me one of the oldest box office guys in the nation as well because I was born in 1974, so it just, it works out. Um, ERC tracks all sorts of cool data. Check us out at ERC, at ERC Box Office on Twitter, where myself and this Red 8, there's this Red 8 named Rodney, and he's sometimes at the controls, so you can't blame everything that's tweeted on me. Just fair warning for everybody out there. That's not always me. Come on. Come on, you know? Um I, and, I love it. You're you're taking credit for the good stuff. That's yeah. that's the way. That's how everyone should operate on social media. Yeah, you should always have a blame guy or a blame mm-hmm. girl. You know, you got to have that uh, in your repertoire. It just is part of the deal. As we mm-hmm. integrate into social media, uh, there has to be a fall guy. Come on, right? Yeah. No, that's great advice for any aspiring, uh, uh, you know, social media star and influencer. Have have a fall person for sure. Um, so Jeff, now Clayton, you usually start off our show every week by blowing through the top five and people love Mm. it. They love when I blow through, but because we have a box office reporting legend here with us, we have one of the big time guys in the business. Jeff, would you do us the honor of taking us through this past weekend's numbers? So this would have been the weekend of Friday May 14th, if you could give us a top five blow through. Yeah, it would be my pleasure. At number five, coming at number five, this is in its 11th week of release, Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon at 1.7 million. It only dropped 11%, folks. That's that's pretty insane. Number four, Demon Slayer from Funimation in its fourth week came in just above at 1.75 million. In third place, Angelina Jolie's Those Who Wish Me Dead dropped in 3,000 theaters. Yes, folks, we have films now opening in 3,000 theaters, and it only did 2.8 million. Bam, bam. That is bad, folks. That's a bad box office. 
Number two, Wrath of Man in its second weekend drop down with 3.7 million. And number one, the number one film in the nation, Spiral from the Book, it's Book of Saw, 18 million. No, folks, sorry. That's, that's what I thought it was going to do. <laughs> it did 8.7 million, making it the lowest debut in the Saw franchise, uh, taking over that spot from Saw 6, which opened with 14 million. So a new box office low for the Saw franchise. That is your top five of the week. Wow, that was great. That was like Casey Kasem level box office (laughs) reporting. Uh, Now I will will notice, I'll, I'll say one thing. Reverse blow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which we usually don't do. But you know what? I like it because mm-hmm. it creates tension. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want it. That's what I wasn't, you know, I, I, I know how you guys usually do it. But, you know, I, I wanted people to really wonder, hey, did Wrath of Man keep that top spot or was that spiral? You know, give them the best right at the end, you know? Right. Right. No, it's, it's an interesting way to go. We're definitely going to take that under consideration for the future. <laughs> so let's start. With, I mean, we all predicted Spiral a lot higher. Jeff, you had just said your prediction was 18. I think mine, Clayton, was about 17 or 18. Clayton, you went, I went crazy. Go, I went wish. 20. Oh, snap. I went full psycho because here's – I understand why this movie did what the business that it did. But there was a few factors that, that we thought could drive this up. And, you know, the tracking was from 10 to 15. Jeff, you yourself thought around 18, possibly something like that. Is that, you know, the the horror hounds, the goreheads, they were keeping the industry afloat during the lean times. Yeah. And I thought that they would come out, they'd been thirsting for a true horror film, because there hadn't been anything. And they they put out the the unholy, which was a an Easter horror movie. It was very it didn't seem it was PG thirteen. And people still came out for that. So I thought, oh, here's a franchise coming back and it could do Buffa Bobo. It did not. But I also am not surprised by this either. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, sorry, Jeff, you go. No, it's just, you're right. It's one of those things where you, you, you hope for the best, but they really win away from the formula. Uh, I mean, this is, you know, whether Mm -hmm. you've seen it or not, you are already aware that this is a spin-off and not a direct sequel. I mean, it, it sort of is, but it, it's a it's a copycat. And when you do that, you are going away from your bread and butter at the box office. It has been this this franchise has grossed nearly a billion dollars. So Lionsgate decided, hey, we got Chris Rock, we got Samuel L. Samuel L. Motherfucking Jackson, and he did drop that a couple times, which I did enjoy. But the thing about it is, it goes completely away 180 degrees away from the original saw yeah you have these same killings but you don't have jigsaw isn't the whole point of friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street is getting your man to kill some more people like that's what horror aficionados want they want to see jason they want to see freddy they want to see leprechaun if that's your thing you know they don't want to see i'm not going to give it away but they don't want to see not jigsaw be the killer right right that that is a that is a problem because this is Lion Gates Freddy. This is their big horror IP. This is their Michael Myers, but because the Jigsaw Killer is not a monster of special effects and he's an actor, 
at some point they they feel like they have to get away from him. And I agree that it shouldn't be. It should always be Tobin Bell, or at the least, it should be you you you, you do some kind of movie where Tobin Bell melds into the puppet costume, and then the puppet is always there. This this movie did not did not make enough use of the puppet that everyone assumes is everyone pretty much in their heads, even if they've seen every Saw movie, I think if you ask them, like, who's Saw? They say, oh, it's that little puppet. They assume Saw is the puppet, when, of course, the puppet is a tool of Saw. But everyone assumes he's the villain. He, they, that's what they should have went with. The spiral is not the IP. The puppet is the IP. So you're telling me this is like if they did The Boy 3 mm-hmm. without My Boy Brahms. Right. Oh, yeah. You can't do that. You can't, you can't do that. It's insane. I mean, I didn't see the film because I, I, I haven't gone back to the theaters yet. But from what you guys are saying is that everybody's saying with these numbers, the sky's falling. People don't want to go back to the theater. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. No, this is a standard issue. This was a fan base that didn't get what they wanted or expected. Mm-hmm. And this film failed in that aspect, and that's why they didn't go. It's Bam. not because people don't want to go to the theater. Stop acting like the sky is falling. It's this these top movies, the reason we'll get to the we'll get to it a little bit later, but the reason they didn't want this movie is because this this IP was already on its way out. And then they didn't give the hardcores what they wanted, so it failed. Angelina Jolie's movie failed because she's no longer the star she once was. So these are things everybody's freaking out about these numbers. Well, why didn't those who wish me dead do, do Mortal Kombat numbers? Because Mortal Kombat is an IP that young people want to see and the Gen Xers want to see. And Angelina Jolie is somebody that people don't really want to see anymore. It, unless, that's just yeah. the facts. Unless she's in latex, really tight-fitting, and it's called Tomb Raider 3. Yeah, she is, or wanted to. She's pretty much done, right? I mean, that, Maleficent, that's Maleficent, even that. Even that, yeah. Maleficent's kind of done. Yeah, you're right about that. The one thing I have to say, and, and you're right, I think these are just these are just run-of-the-mill box office misfires. It has nothing to do with yes. the pandemic. They were going to yes. misfire... Anyways, you're right. The one question I have about this weekend, though, and I think that trumps all of these things, is Army of the Dead. Zack Snyder's return to the big screen courtesy of Netflix. What the hell happened? I I, I couldn't get away from the mob scene on Twitter because of all the, the stands that are on there. And it's hard to, 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 to keep your head above water when you're fighting all these stands off. But mm-hmm. if that film opened in 450 theaters and they won't give an exact release count, it's between 450 and 600. I don't know exactly how much it is because Netflix doesn't report numbers, but some numbers got released. And what we, we reported was 775,000 on 450 screens for a three-day average of uh, a peak per theater average of 1,722, and that's decent. And but that's that's like way below spiral numbers. So what happened? Why didn't the hardcore Zack Snyder fans, if they truly are more than 25 people, why didn't they show up for this film, you guys? I mean, I think something with that is that there's no advertising and and not that those who wish me dead or spiral had great marketing campaigns, but Army of the Dead was like basically a secret show 
type of situation. You know, like like if 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 the you know the the Strokes came into town and they wanted to perform a, sh- a show under a different name. You know, so it's like the cool people. You know, the 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 skinny hipsters. They know. Oh, the the you know the red balloons. That's actually the Strokes. They are going to be there at this secret show, but. The majority of the mainstream people, they didn't know that. It's a secret show. And I feel like Army of the Dead's release was sort of a secret show. You know, you walked by a theater and you saw that on the marquee having seen no advertising for it. Like so they might have, yeah. they might as well have released it under a different title. <laughs> so you're saying it's like when Weezer toured as Goat Punishment. Yes. It's exactly like that. It's yeah. exactly like that. Well, and, I mean... I see. I think the numbers deadlines reporting and not to go against you guys, they're saying 430. So it's in that number, right? At first, it was supposed to be 600. 600 was the buzz. Nobody knew for sure. But like you said, it is somewhere in that range of 430, 450. And here's the thing. Like, I agree. If people wanted to go out and see this movie, it would have numbers like the uh, Demon Slayer, Mm -hmm. which... That opened to in what eight hundred theaters, That's something true. like that. So, and that did blah blah blah. That was fighting for number one against Mortal Kombat. So that's the thing. I think the Snyderheads and we're me and Pat aren't for or against it. We don't really get into the fight over the Snyder thing. This movie to me looks interesting, and I would have gone to the theater to see it if there was a if I was fully vaxxed and waxed and there was a theater close to me to see it, but. A lot of them are just on Twitter, and tweets aren't tickets. That's mm-hmm. what we, we like tweets to say here tickets. at the BO Boys. Tweets aren't tickets. So you've got to separate the people who tweet and the people who buy ticks, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that's another thing. Like, Jeff, you're in, the, you're in the business of tracking stuff. I mean, we got to track tweets versus ticks yeah. because then we can actually see, oh, these tweets don't matter or these tweets do matter. Yeah. It's it's true. It, it's it's becoming a lot more difficult to track on a box office level uh, because we use a number of different sources and studios use their own sources um, and, and everybody sort of agrees on a number of, of what is this movie going to make opening weekend. And that's become so much more difficult since the pandemic. Um, and then you have an outfit like Netflix, which don't you know, they don't even tell you an exact number of theaters. You, you sort of have to track it through through different various um, theatrical exhibitors. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this was not at AMC. It wasn't at the largest um, cinema chain in the United States. And that that's another big concern. Why, why go exclusive with the third biggest chain in the nation instead of trying to get all the chains? It's not like there's, I mean, they're, 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 are not enough films in theaters right now for audiences to, to really grasp all the audiences or to really come through with um, the amount of people that I, I think actually want to go. There just isn't enough product out there. Army of the Dead would have been, I think, a great title to release. Unfortunately, yeah, it would have gone up against Spiral, but at this point, who cares, right? I I, I just feel like it's, it's a failure on a lot of people's parts to only put it into 450 theaters, why not go 2,000? Why not get AMC on board? I, I don't understand how that didn't happen, considering, you know, AMC is playing Top Gun, and 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 I think they're playing yeah. they're playing a lot of these weird fan favorites that honestly they don't have any business they shouldn't have any business at this point 
taking up some of the the top theaters and uh, the top screens. Well, I mean, looking at some of these new movies this weekend, looking at Army of the Dead and Spiral and Those Who Wish Me Dead, a question I kind of have is, is why are they being released? You know, I, I think Spiral bombed and I think Spiral was a burnoff. Those Who Wish Me Dead, that feels very much like a burnoff. I think uh, it, it might have been you might have mentioned, I, I, I saw somewhere like people basically saying, those who wish me dead was filler so that Warner Media could say, oh, we have a new a day and date release every four weeks. You know, yeah. it, it felt very much like that. So I guess with Army of the Dead, why did Netflix put this out at all? Like, does this feel like testing the water waters for an expanded strategy of putting big movies out in theaters? Or was it something where like to get Zack Snyder to do this movie, they had to promise him you know, a vanity theater release. So Jeff, I guess with Army of the Dead, not just why so few theaters, but why did they put it out at all? Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, your bread and butter is the subscribers, right? I knew, I, I know of a lot of subscribers that were a little upset that people got to go see it in theaters first before people on Netflix mm. got to see it. And that's an issue, um, I guess, one of the answers is, you know, Netflix spent $90 million on this. How, honestly, how did they recoup that? We, we still don't know how those murky numbers work at Netflix when they spend, what, a hundred and some million on Six Underground? You know they never recoup that. They will never recoup that. It's, is it even on their service is what I want to know. You know what right, I mean? Like right. there are films that are on there and maybe they last in the top 10 for a week or two and they are gone and you have to dig through your queue to even find these things, you right. know? And then, and then it's all nailed it. It's, yeah. It's they're recouping their money on nailed it. I don't think they're recouping <laughs> their money on extraction. No, exactly. And and that's why I know they want to get in the franchise game. And I get that. And to do that, you have to be pop culture relevant. And and putting films in theaters still makes you pop culture relevant. But if you're going to go, you know, don't go half-assed. Don't right. bake your potato halfway and then finish it off in the microwave. You know, you stick it in the oven for 25 minutes, you know, because that's yes. how long it takes. It's not 15 minutes in the oven. Uh, five minutes in the microwave because you don't know what you're going to get. You know, right. the whole idea seemed very half-baked by Netflix and they certainly had time to figure this out. Every article that I read about Zack Snyder's Justice League mentioned Army of the Dead. Every single article mentioned yeah. it. So there's no reason that there was a massive, I think, awareness about this film. But most people, you know, a lot of people could not find the film because it wasn't playing in a theater near them. And they probably would have gone and see it um, again. Yeah, it's going to be number one on Netflix next week. We, we know that, but we don't know what that means. And it would have been so much more of a hot property on Friday if Netflix could have got Exhibitor Relations Co. could have got the B.O. Boys talking right now about how Army of the Dead opened in 3,000 theaters and made $25 million opening weekend. Then, come, in, come Friday, people wouldn't be able to fire up their Netflix fast enough to watch this movie at home. Because they yeah. would have said, I, the B.O. Boys are raving about how much money it made. I got to see this. That's but the in, reason to put these movies in theaters because yes. you need to legitimize them. And yes. how do you legitimize a film and its importance? You put it in theaters and 
have it make money. It yes. does boffa bobo. That is a that is the marketing you do. You don't put it in a few theaters that no one can find and then not give us numbers to tout. <laughs> we want to help you. Yeah. We want to help you. Let us help you. Yes. That is what I don't understand. And it honestly it makes them look bad. It makes Army of the Dead look like a failure. Yes. When it shows up in the top 10 at number 9, I'm sorry, it's just the way that we process information. Oh my God, that film opened at number nine. What a bomb. So now it carries this weird stigma. And I know those in the know know that that's not really true, but we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the masses out there who yes. see a top 10 list and go, oh my God, Zack Snyder's career is over, man. Yep. That last dead film that he had opened at 26 million and this didn't even make a million. That's Guess what? That's as far as they go in terms of thinking these things through. And and Absolutely. so that's what you're left with. Um, and so unfortunately, that stigma is going to carry it over. I don't know how long it's going to last in the top 10 at Netflix. They have like three new films every week. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking honestly a week or two. And is that worth $90 million? And, and I right. think that's the question that Netflix is going to have to start answering because they still don't, outside of these teen comedies that, that are perfect for them because they're super low budget and they do seem to last in the top 10 more than like two weeks. Um, are these films, is, is it worth Netflix spending a hundred million dollars on a film that they may not get a franchise out of? You know, Enola Holmes, I think is another good example because I, I think that was pretty cheap to make and they are making a sequel. And, and honestly, I thought that was a really good film. You know, uh, I just wonder about these hundred million dollar productions that all these studios have passed on for a reason. There's a reason nobody made Six Underground. There's a no. There's a reason nobody made Bright, and there's a, probably a reason nobody made Army of the Dead for ninety million dollars. I could see it for thirty five or forty million, but not ninety million. Yeah, no, that that is a great point. Yeah, Netflix is going to have to go full ass in, or don't go in the pool at all. Don't go in the pool at all then. And don't don't ever put anything out in theaters. But these vanity limited releases just make everything look small time. They may they take something like Army of the Dead and they bring it to the level of their art yeah. house indie films and, and, and level those out. And that's not what the action fans and the blockbuster people want. They people went to Endgame the second weekend because they read about how in the first weekend Endgame made two hundred and eighty million dollars. Yeah. And they were like, I got to be a part of this because I'm not a loser. <laughs> hey, what do you guys think, though, of Netflix flipping the tables and buying theaters? Do you guys think that's a good idea or another just colossal waste of money? I mean, I think we've both, especially in the last year, been on the train of it's inevitable that the big production companies and distributors are going to become also theater owners. It, it's They're all going to want to control all of the chains of distribution. They all have their streaming services and they're all going to, they're, they're not going to want to give away a piece of the pie anymore. So I think Netflix, but again, it's going to be a situation. Are they going to go full ass in or are they going to continue buying like, oh, we'll buy the Arclight and then we'll buy another theater that closed in downtown Brooklyn and Hey, let's expand and get one in Chicago. And then we're done. Or are they going to buy AMC, you know, or buy some kind of chain? Yeah. And, that's when and you go big. Right. What's that, what's that going to look like? Because what product can they put in 
to the theaters. There is it going to be all their stuff? Are they going to get an agreement with other places? Is it going to be similar to how they have other studios put their films on Netflix mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time? That that to me, Netflix is interesting because do they have enough things that people would go to the theater to want to see? Because well, those teen yeah. movies do well at home, but will the Kif- Kissing Booth three do anything at the box office? But then I guarantee Stranger Things, every episode of the season, people yes. will go to the theaters to see every single episode. So if they have things that, that are so big like that, I mean, even maybe Cobra Kai, people would go at least to the mm. finale. Mm-hmm. Um, they would go mm-hmm. to theaters. And and there's a possibility, a real possibility, and I can't wait till Disney tries this with Mandalorian season three because they probably will, right? They're going to put these movies, these these shows in theaters, and it's possible, in fact, very likely, I think, that they will be the number one films at the box office. You know, they will rule yeah. streaming and box office, and Disney will go, that's it. We're buying AMC. This is Disney theaters across the nation, and, and someone like that. Disney is the only one that I think has enough property to do it, and you're right, Clayton. I don't think Netflix has the properties to do it yet, but they could buy an arc light and they, they make a lot of small independent films like oxygen that was just released on Netflix, which probably nobody saw, but a really interesting artsy film that could definitely play um, in Hollywood down there. And I think a lot of, of these creators, a lot of these cinematic creators just want to see their film in theaters, the traditional way. And Netflix can further entice them to join in their fold by offering, you know, these exclusive or limited releases in their at least in their own theaters. And I think that makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's a good way. I mean, I, I was downplaying the importance of having just New York and L.A. theaters, which is odd for me as a coastal elite. That's the most important thing. <laughs> and for these creators, Netflix is basically putting them in the theaters where the people who created them live. And then they click, oh, yeah, no, no, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's fine. It's every no. You saw it at the ArcLight when you're when you were walking over to the studio. Yeah, it's like that in Idaho too. Don't, just don't look into it. Um, and, and, and they and they can do something which we've talked about. If if say Disney buys these theaters, buys mm-hmm. a whole chain of theaters, mm-hmm. I mean they can enact a way where we've talked about how these theaters need to start tracking concessions. Mm-hmm. And if Disney owns a bunch of theaters. And they have their Disney bucks or whatever they have. Mm-hmm. Those transactions, they can they can see. Hey, they bought this many Twizzlers with this ticket, with this many Dumbo bucks or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And then that way, they can maximize their profits because they're like, well, this movie people didn't didn't chow down. This movie people did chow down, and therefore you're gonna you're gonna put out movies in the theaters that are gonna have that high chow down ratio where you know there's more people chowing down than not chowing down and those are things that that are going to be important if you were going forward with tracking yeah chowing down is the only reason theaters stay in business at all those concessions are theaters top priority so you're right about that having disney exclusive popcorn buckets you know mickey mouse Minnie mouse popcorn buckets and drink sippers and everything that you would find at your disney store in the mall they will be in theaters selling like hotcakes. That's why Disney brand is capable of do, pulling this off and, and sort of revolutionizing theatrical and, and at the same time, 
saving it, making sure that it does last for the next generations. You know, if the, if there are many Disneyland's across the nation, it just keeps expanding their brand. And 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 honestly, I'm not sure why they haven't done it yet. I, maybe they were trying to run AMC stock into the ground and then buy it pennies on the dollar. And maybe they're still trying to do that. Yeah, that was definitely a theory of ours. I think all of ours over the last year that Disney was trying to get AMC to be on the verge of bankruptcy and then buy them out, which could definitely still happen. Yeah, I think we all agree Disney will be the first studio that will end up massively buying theaters. I think I think that's a, that's a slam doing. They, they've got the product and they've got the catalog too because yeah. you know uh, open the vault now that the vault is open and it's on Disney Plus. Who's not going to go see the 1990 uh, Beauty and the Beast if it comes out in a theater? Like people right. are just going to see it. Kids are going to see it on the weekends. That's the kind of thing they can they have access to a catalog that is swappable and oh, yeah. they can see where does Beauty and the Beast do Bafa Bobo at what time of year. And they schedule it that way. That right. That is the future, too. That's yeah, what we've talked about. That is the future. Yeah, they can track all that. I mean, when Hocus, they pulled Hocus Pocus out of their ass, and it made like $10 million this this last summer and fall. It was incredible. I didn't even know that people remembered that movie, yet yet it just exploded onto drive-ins and in, in social media circles. And I think it even got the, the sequel greenlit, if it wasn't already. Um that's the sort of thing they can do. And they've always done that, whether it's direct-to-video VHS sequels. That is also Disney's bread and butter, is just maximizing that IP, just wringing it like a towel until it's dry. You know, that's what Disney does better mm-hmm, than anyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if you own a theater, that's also a way of getting people ready for a sequel. Like, imagine if Lionsgate owned a chain of theaters, which, I mean, I don't think any of us think <laughs> that's going to happen, but... You would have a month of just the Saw movies playing nonstop. And then when Spiral came in, yeah, you would be disappointed because Spiral was not good and it was not a good Saw movie. But you would have been more excited to see it because you had just watched six Saw movies in a row in a Lionsgate movie theater. Where would the Lionsgate movie theater exist? Like Detroit? I mean, what is the ideal spot in North America, do you guys think? I always, it's, I went to see Spiral last night with a friend and beforehand we both were like, where do the Saw movies take place? And our guess was both Detroit. Yeah. And then in the movie, we quickly realized, oh no, it's a fake city called Metro City. <laughs> which so is a it, fake Detroit. Yeah. Which, which is a fake doubles Detroit. for Detroit. Like, yeah. like it wasn't Robocop. Was that Detroit? That was like Detroit. It was Detroit. Yeah. yeah. That yeah, gives me it, a, it's a sinister vibe there. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, that Lionsgate needs to buy up all the movie theaters in the in Metro City <laughs> in Metro and just City, show AKA Saw movies Detroit. nonstop. Yeah, yeah. So, before we move on to our big summer movie preview, anything else we want to say about these top five? Basically, about Spiral and Those Who Wish Me Dead, which both way underperformed. Well. I guess, Jeff, did Those Who Wish Me Dead truly underperform or was this a burn-off that no one had expectations for? Yeah, this was like a young MC album. It was all filler. You got mm-hmm. one great song, the rest mm-hmm. is just filler. This this is just a filler in their catalog. They didn't know what to do with this film. It came on the release schedule very late, um, even for pandemic times. But the fact that it dropped in 3,000, it, like it dropped in more theaters than Spiral did. That's the crazy thing to me that yeah. Warner Brothers, who has 
um, has been the most active, obviously, of all the studios because of their day and date streaming deal. Um, and, and they have four of the top five opening films. You know, they've got Godzilla vs. Kong, they've got Mortal Kombat, they've got Wonder Woman, and Tom and Jerry. And there's only five films that have opened with over $10 million. They have four of them since this pandemic started. Um, so they're just kind of, you know, they're enjoying, I think, the moment. And I know there's a lot of naysayers saying that they did the wrong thing. They're not doing what's right. Well, guess what? If it wasn't for Warner Brothers right now, we would have lost a lot more theater chains. So mm-hmm. just, I think let's make that very clear right now that Warner Brothers almost single-handedly, a little help from Disney and some of the other studios, but really in terms of real actual box office that sells concession, Warner Brothers is the only one that consistently did that since August, you know? Um, and so, yeah, they're going to put out a film like Those Who Wish Me Dead, like like they usually do. I mean, Warner Brothers has had a really tough, especially the last few years, you know, they put out some films that that completely tank, you know, like The Kitchen um, with Melissa McCarthy. There was a number of films that summer, I remember. Uh, the the uh, What was the one, uh, the Bruce Springsteen one that they had high hopes for? Oh, Blinded by the Light. Yeah, yeah. Blinded by the Light. A yes. good film did not reach an audience at all. In fact, a lot of those films, Warner Brothers films that summer, just bombed, tanked did two to five million. That's exactly what I think everybody was expecting from those who wish me dead. So you're right. There there wasn't high expectations. But again, what it really was meant to do was boost HBO Max. Just give them another brand new Angelina Jolie film that you might turn on on a Friday night. That sounds like a pretty good evening, right? I mean, I did it. Me and my <laughs> wife, we turned it on on a Friday night. And I, I think this is a case where... It's it's a movie that because I've been going back to the movie theaters again. I'm vax and wax, and I could have seen this a ten minute walk from my apartment. We could have went to see it at our at our local theater, but it didn't feel like a movie theater must. It felt yeah. like a we could watch this on our television, and I think that is gonna be a big uh, uh, sort of conundrum just for these studios that are streamers slash theater uh, distributors is going to be when they put out a movie day and date and it's not Kong, you know, yeah. it's not mortal Kombat where you got to see Scorpion say, get over here on the biggest screen possible. Yeah. But you didn't well, need that for those who wish me dead. And can we talk, I mean, I know this is outside of the top five and the, the mm-hmm. VO boys don't always like to go there, but you know, there were two other wide releases finding you, from Roadside Attractions and Profile from Focus Features, which mm-hmm. opened in 2,000 theaters, you guys. Wow, and yeah. they completely bombed. They didn't, neither of them grossed a million dollars. Why are studios and distributors still releasing these films in theaters? Yeah. To tack onto your point, Pat, these are not films anymore that should be playing in theaters, I would argue. Or if you're going to do it, you have to have the VOD component because right. otherwise you're spending all this money. And that then I guarantee in 17 days, nobody knows what profile is or 21 days yes. or whatever, whenever it goes on PVOD. So there are some big issues that these executives are still not getting. We are banging them over the head with a sledgehammer and they don't seem to understand that these films are not working in theaters right now. And they may yeah. not ever again. Yeah, well, we, we called it last week on Profile that I couldn't have imagined a gimmick that people would want less right now yeah, yeah. than a movie that is exclusively in movie theaters and takes place solely on computer screens. <laughs> you know, like 
that that is a movie and it might be great because they this is the the team that made searching which i thought was a a, a great movie but this is a movie that shouldn't have been released in theaters it should have been released straight to youtube or pop-up yeah. ads like yep. that was the the format for this kind of gimmick people did not want to go to a movie theater to look at computers again it's a nightmare yeah and it could have been an event like you said if they did yes. partner with youtube or somebody else um yes. IMDb TV, something like that. It could have been a, a little interesting uh, Friday night attraction, late Friday night attraction, something like that. Um, but now it's just, it's lost in the ethos. And it's a huge problem for Focus Features who just did the same thing with Limbo the week before. Um, and, and even some of their films that have that have done well haven't done as well as they probably should have. Focus mm-hmm. Features is really interesting because, you know, I think they put out a lot of quality product. I think you know, between A24, Searchlight, and Focus Features, that's who we look to in terms of big indie distribution. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're flailing right now, and it's difficult. If you look at what Searchlight is doing, and we don't know exactly what Searchlight is going to become now that Disney owns them, but they're relying heavily, it seems like, on horror films, which, you know, that was Focus Features' biggest uh, hit as well um, of late is horror and, and, you know, indie horror, the way that a 24 has done it and they've done it so well, Mm -hmm. that may keep all these indie shingles alive is really relying on that horror crowd. Yeah. Which I mean, was always a little bit of a case. Even if you think back to the, the nineties indie heydays, you would still have like dimension films would be the one making the most money with all of their scream. And I know what you did last summer movies, you know, so horror and speaking of how it's going to be movie theaters, more and more being just the types of movies that have to play on a big screen. Horror is going to be the thing that endures, you know, we may, we may someday live in a future where you go to a movie theater and it's just Marvel movies and Disney IP and horror movies. You know, Saw will be on the big screen. You might not have Martin Scorsese, unfortunately, making his movies on the big screen, but I think Jigsaw will be back on the big screen. Well, and horror Freddy it, and Jason it, it, it Brahms. and Brahms. Now, <laughs> I, I, I do think that horror is something that you can like watching a horror movie in a group setting in public is something that you can't do anywhere else and you can't do that at home it's a different feeling of those just being scared in a group that kind of feeling now comedy has died and comedy was a group uh, situation but i think that's because you can turn on anything any video is comedy any you know tv shows have comedy ads are trying to be comedic everything is comedy 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 so it's not as much of a novelty fear is something that hasn't been commodified to the extent that comedy has at this point. We're a comedic society. We're an ironic society. We're a society where everyone's expected to be funny right now. And I don't know when that happened, but it's not for the better, I would say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I hope we don't get to a point where fear becomes the commodity and we are all expected to be as terrifying as we can possibly be in social situations. Right. If that's the case, then I think we will have comedy come back and we will have horror movies wane in popularity. But as right now, I can't see us being a fear-based society where how we interact with each other. I mean, I guess we're a fear-based 
media society in a way, but a one-on-one terrifying you right every day every video i hear here's a oh do you want to watch puppy videos this is terrifying what this puppy does to this this uh chick or something right. you know or, or this duckling that's not where we live and i think i hope it doesn't get that way right right i just yeah, you wish... want to see logan paul sticks a comedy and not not get into horror that would be the, that would be the turnover well, yeah. that you would be you would be very upset with well playing. comedy and boxing i mean comedy yeah. and, and fighting and physical yeah. altercations those are yeah. the two things i want from my paul brothers well both of them and that's why jackass is so popular there is a frightening aspect as funny as it is that one of those people might die every time you mm-hmm. watch a jackass film or be horribly maimed somehow <laughs> and absolutely um, and, and I think the last time I went to a theater where people really laughed and I was really in an atmosphere, it was a jackass movie. It was mm-hmm. because it's so outrageous. You don't know what's coming next. If, if I were to go to, say, Coming to America, if I would have gone to the theater and saw that, we it's a setup. It's like you knew everything that was going to happen in that film, even though you hadn't seen it. It just follows a paradigm that you we all know so well. And that's where like a jackass really differs because you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, you're one minute you're launched in the air inside a porta potty and shit is flying everywhere. And the next thing you know, you're getting shot in the balls by a cannonball, you know, Mm -hmm. and the audiences, it, it, it gets a reaction, whether you like it or not, it gets a reaction, a visceral reaction and comedy. Just, it doesn't have it anymore. It doesn't. If you go to the theater and see a comedy, I mean, look what Billy Crystal's last film did, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like that's it, people don't want that kind of comedy anymore, and it, and it's very hard. I think outside of say Universal, who does a great job making R-rated films, even they don't have a lot on their schedule right now. Like Good Boys was one of the last great comedies that I saw in theaters, you know, um, because it, it was just stuff you did not expect. But I look at their schedule now through the end of the year. They don't have one comedy on there. Universal who touts the comedy. What do you think, uh, then we'll get to our preview, but I'm very curious. What do you think Bad Trip would have done in the theater? We, I think, Pat and I, are in the agreement that that could have done Bafa Bobo because of the reasons you stated. Yeah. Because of the shock of that. And it's not a gross film. I mean, there are elements, but it's not a jackass film. And it's a sweet film. But there are definitely like shocking moments in that film that I think you would enjoy it with an audience. Yeah, for sure. I, 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 I'm I surprised that United Artists didn't release that. I know they had kept saying that they would, they would, they wouldn't. And I, I think you're right. I think it would have been a, a perfect film, even in the pandemic, to release in theaters because it is such an oddball comedy, something that is that we haven't seen that often or or at all because of how they set that film up. I mean, I... and. It's on Netflix, right? I think I caught it on Netflix yes. finally. Yeah, Netflix bought it, yeah. But but they barely advertise it. I had to search for it. Even though I knew it was, I said, I was like, I know it's there somewhere. I got to go find this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's how just Netflix is. It's just like, it's the worst video store ever. It's like a video store that doesn't put up the cases of the movies that they have, you know? Oh, it's, it's like, like, it's, it's like the... Film. Yeah, it's like in in the Walmarts. If you ever went to a Walmart and you saw all those DVDs in just a big bucket... Oh, just yeah. a huge bucket. And you'd have to reach your arm down in to find something that was yeah. worth buying. That's how Netflix's algorithm is when yeah. it shows you things. Right. It, it's just, just like, wants, why bother? Why bother? Put, I'm not going to put my arm down in there. I don't know what's down there. <laughs> right, right. It's like half the time you end up with gum on your hand. And that that's pretty much what it is to find something new on Netflix. I wish yeah. it was just half the time. 
Um, so, so Jeff, you're going to have to, for sure, come back in the fall for our fall preview, just because one of the movies that's opening in October is Jackass 4. I can't so, wait. you know, get ready. I think we all agree with you that Jackass is what is going to bring comedy back. So that'll be part of our fall 2021 preview with Jeff. But now it's time bum, to bum. get into summer 2021, which, I mean, I think we all agree officially kicks off in about less than two weeks at Memorial Day weekend. The weekend of the 28th is going to be I- the start of it. I don't know about you guys, but when I get into summer movie, like the headspace of summer movies, I put on Phil Collins in the air tonight. And if you've never yes. done this, you got to do it. I mean, it's there's a buildup to this song. There's an intrigue. There's those pounding drums. And he's like, well, I've been waiting for this moment all my life. And you could take yes. out moment and you could put in movie. And then you, it's like, well, I've been waiting for this movie all my life, you know, yes. and then it's like, can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Hold on, hold on. I mean, that to me says, oh my God, it's summer movie season, you know, yes. and you, you just have to have that buildup. You have to have a soundtrack for your own life going into the summer movie. So whatever that is, if it's, you know, Summertime by Mungo Jerry or Bananarama's Cruel Summer, because it can be a cruel, cruel summer for a lot of movies. We know this. They're not mm-hmm. all hits. And that's okay. It's sort of fun to see a huge bomb like uh, Waterworld. That was one of my favorite memories from 1995 was seeing Waterworld in the theaters, me and like three other dudes on opening weekend. And we all three of us dudes loved it. We loved yes. that film. You know what I, I mean? I remember seeing that in the theater. And I also distinctly remember seeing it with a friend and knowing it was already a bomb. Yeah. Like I think we saw it opening weekend and there wasn't like there is now, you know, Saturday afternoon estimates. Yeah. But we were there on that opening weekend. I think the word had gotten out. This is not going to do well. And it just, I think it made us like it more because we were like, Oh, this, this isn't as bad as they're saying it is. Even though, and, but but it felt good to be part of that history being like, I'm here watching a colossal bomb. Yeah, you were there being part of that $21 million and they spent at least $300 million making it. And yes. I think it, it ended up with $264 million worldwide at the end of, of it. And the great thing is, though, and nobody nobody really understands that that it is one of the only films, especially from the 90s, that is still making money each and every day Universal Studios is open, right? That stunt yeah. show is fire, you guys. If you haven't seen it, just go to Universal Studios in Japan or or in America and, and check this out because it really does recreate the greatness that is Waterworld. Um, and I will never stop until we get that Waterworld sequel, guys, just to let you know, that's like my dream project. <laughs> well, I guess we'll, we'll you know, we're going to be giving our predictions on what are going to be the biggest movies and uh, surprise hit movies. And we will also give our picks for what is going to be the the bombs of the summer. So I guess we'll give our picks for what will be the Waterworld of oh, this yeah. summer. What movie is going to underperform, but have a long run as a theme park stunt show. So, you know, let's let's get those prepared. But looking at the start of the summer, Memorial Day weekend is going to be, and I think, Jeff, before we got on air, you were saying theaters are sweating as we get to Memorial Day weekend because this is going to be a big turning point. You got Cruella coming out 
as a full theatrical release, but also on Disney Plus PVOD day and date. And you have A Quiet Place Part 2 opening from Paramount only in theaters. They are not putting it with SpongeBob and uh, Beavis and Butthead on Paramount Plus. It's going only to theaters. So this is huge. This is the turning point. This has to be when theaters are fully back. And are we feeling good about it? Are we feeling like this is going to be a weekend where come Monday morning, we're all celebrating? Yes, absolutely. Because (laughs) I know there's a lot of relieved people right now. Because if we just look at, let's look at the top five openers, right? Since the pandemic began. Godzilla vs. Kong, Mortal Kombat, Demon Slayer, Wonder Woman, and Tom and Jerry. Those are fanboy and fangirl-centric films, and they power through the pandemic to have those great openings. I mean, Godzilla vs. Kong came in at 31, and this is a high-profile sequel. Well, it doesn't get any more high-profile than A Quiet Place Part 2. People have been wanting this sequel for a long time. I would be shocked if it is not the number one film. And and I know Cruella has, has gone through generations of fans, but this is a different beast and this is the perfect film for right now. And we're also at a great place in terms of vaxing and waxing. I know you mm-hmm. guys wax too. I don't mm-hmm. wax, I wax, but I'm going to start waxing because I just, I like the way it sounds. I like the vaxing and waxing, you yeah. know? So well, I'm going to do that. Yeah, you're right. I, I should do it if I'm going to speedo out there. You must um, do it. I got to. So Quiet Place Part 2, yes. I think I think it could be the highest opening weekend since the pandemic. I'm going to slot it at $40 million for starters. It, it it could go, like I said, anywhere but $36, $42 million. Um, and that might be a traditional weekend number. It, we might even see higher for the four-day. I really think this is the film that people have been waiting for. I think that we'll get people that have not gone back to theaters yet going on Memorial Day weekend. Traditionally, it was the start of summer before Marvel took over the universe that is theatrical. Uh, they moved the date basically all the way back to May. Um, and that for the last, you know, 10, 20 years has been the start of summer. But now it's this is like a return to form. Memorial Day weekend is the big start of summer. Uh, those two films are going to do, I think, Bafo box office. Uh, Cruella somewhere behind there. I, I'm going to say I'm going to say 25 million. Um, uh, keep it a little conservative because, like you said, it is on D plus and some families are not ready to go back. And 30 bucks is a lot cheaper than 100 bucks if you're taking your family. Right. So, um, yeah, Quiet Place 2, number one, Cruella, number two, but two big openers is what I'm seeing. Yeah, nice. I mean, I saw Spiral from the Book of Saw last night and it was not a very packed theater, but... When they showed the trailer for A Quiet Place 2, and again, a small crowd, but you could feel the energy change. That's the one people wanted to see. People were almost going to see something like Spiral from the Book of Saw just to, like, you stretch before you go for a run. You know, you're, you're not concentrating on the stretching. You're not enjoying it. You know, you're not getting anything out of it. But you gotta do it. And Quiet Place 2, though, that's the run that everyone's gearing up for. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I definitely think if Godzilla versus Kong opened at what, 47 for the five day, 42, somewhere in there. Yeah. Then for the, for the long weekend, 
I yeah, I, I definitely could see Quiet Place 2 hitting 50 because mm-hmm. it's you're going to have so much more of a capacity than you did mid-March for Godzilla vs. Kong. This is going to be a more uh, 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 enthusiastic fan base. So, yeah, th- I agree. It's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be... I, I don't see any situation in which the nightmare scenario of Quiet Place opening in the 20s and no. Cruella opening at 12... I, I just don't see that. That's it, you, you can't think like that. It's also the perfect drive-in movie. And drive-in theaters traditionally yes. do open around Memorial Day weekend. They're going to do huge business at drive-ins all for that extended weekend. Yeah, yeah because people are now back in the habit. And I'm not talking about Sister Act 2. I'm talking about going mm-hmm. to the drive-in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I think people are, now they know where the drive-in is near them. <laughs> <laughs> which they didn't two years ago. So that is true. That's going to that's gonna add some numbers. Now, I just want to tell you guys, I'm going to be, I'm looking at boxofficepro.com, and they actually have some forecasting right oh. here, which they haven't had for a long time. This was the forecasting that we would usually use back in the pre-pandemic, just to give ourselves a, do we want to go over or under these numbers? And what they have for Cruella right now for four day is between 15 and 30 and for a quiet place part two they have between 30 and 50 these are for the four day openings so it's consistent with what you guys are saying definitely i think quiet place for a four a four day i'm with you guys i think it's it's supposed to be opening in a huge number of theaters we're going to have more people able to go into each showing so I do think that it could reach 50. I'm going to say that it, it reaches 50. Bam. Bam. Well, that's the thing. That's a, that's a huge component of it, Clayton, is that Those Who Wish Me Dead opened in 31, almost 3,200 theaters. I think Quiet Place 2 is going to hit 35 at least. And this next weekend is going to be a down weekend. Nothing's opening. Um, and so you, you also get that lull in the marketplace. And then boom. There's not as much in theaters, and A Quiet Place 2 is playing on, if you're at a 16-plex, it's probably going to play on eight screens, you guys. So mm-hmm. that's the other thing we have to look at is, yeah, the theater count's going to be huge, but that screen count is going to be massive. Right. And right. is it going to get the IMAXs? Because I'm assuming it gets the IMAXs. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for I mean, sure. right now, the IMAXs, I think, are spiral from the Book of Saw. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's it made, it made one million. The... Yeah, it made one million in IMAXs. Spiral did this past weekend. Yeah, so Spiral is about to completely spiral out. Like once a Quiet Place two comes, that it's it's basically like you're putting Spiral into one of Saw's traps and <laughs> and ripping its limbs apart. Well, that's always been the case for the second weekend of any right. Saw film. You know, you're losing 60, 65% of the audience because anybody who does want to see it, you're going to go opening weekend. There is no reason in hell why you don't go. I mean, even if there's, you know, a wedding, a funeral, you you either go right after right. that or you skip out on the wedding and the funeral to go right. to that. That's how much these these horror fans love these films. So you're right. If it only opened with 8.7 million, I mean, it, it may only make 3 million in its second weekend help it might drop down to two million you know that's what i could be looking at i i think this weekend it dropped because the thing with a saw movie is even the people who go see it and love it they can't recommend it to anyone else (laughs) Mm. because you just get labeled a a, a crazy person 
Mm-hmm. So it is a movie that that not only doesn't have good word of mouth, it has to have negative word of mouth because people who like it don't tell you to go see it. So now, you you bring up you bring up a great point though, Jeff, about uh, you know funerals and things like that. Now with the with the new movement towards renting out theaters, renting out complete theaters for families and friends and groups, do you think theaters would be open to wakes? Especially people like the horror heads, right? I mean, think about it. If you are a huge gore hound and you happen to pass, you know, rest in horror, right? Is it possible they wanted to see the third Conjuring movie and they didn't get a chance to see it, but they happened to pass away right beforehand? You have the body there. You have everybody there. You watch the movie out of respect for the person. And and I think that's a possibility oh, with certain movies, right? Because I will say I will say to you guys, if I were to pass before F nine, mm-hmm. I would definitely think the least my friends could do. And Jeff, I would invite you if you're willing to pay for you know your yeah. your flight, yeah, and, and your lodging and your food, <laughs> uh, to come to awake at F nine, mm-hmm. where I would love my body to be present. Right. Right. Yeah, I I don't I think it's like it's brilliant. Like as you were going through it, I was I was going through my lexicon of films. I'm like I I would have to show Evil Dead too, and all my because mm-hmm. I I think a lot of my good friends haven't seen that film, and they'll know how important Evil Dead Two is to me. And I and and you're right. I should either be there in pieces, like rest in pieces, mm-hmm. and each mm-hmm. person can maybe hold a body part. Or if I'm cremated, they could just hold a little urn, you know, and everybody could have a piece of me as they're watching one of my favorite movies. This is this is a great idea. The urn yeah. thing makes this a lot easier. Yeah, yes, true. Yes. The body part thing is a little grotesque. Yeah. I, I, I think that would be probably a requirement of these theater chains if they were going to have wakes in a movie screening, they would probably have some kind of cremation requirements, you know, that okay. we, we'll do ashes. We can't do a, a body showing. Yeah. That, that might I, be, that might be the first, at least the first phase of the wakes <laughs> in a movie theater is cremation yeah. requirements. But you know, theaters have done a lot and, and I'll admit going to the MC over the weekend. I mean, they have, they have, they have really done up a number. It, it sparkles in there and they have, Anything you need as far, if you want gloves, if you need a mask, if you need um, some hand sanitizer, they have it now. So it's just a matter of time. It's just, I think it's one more step to say, yeah, we could probably allow dead people in here. Mm -hmm. Let's just think of what we'd have to add as far as, uh, you know, making sure it's clean and for everybody. I think that's Mm -hmm. a possibility though. Yeah, You may need to expand the cup holders to be able to fit an urn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or, or, you know, uh, yeah, because there, there are a lot of ashes in there. Um, and, and I think, you know, like those who wish me dead and army of the dead, are you telling me those weren't be perfect films? It already has dead in the title. You guys, right. right. Those should have specialized urns for you to bring in pieces of your, your dead family member or friend to, to have with you on one side is the drink on one side is the urn. I love this. Or here's what you're doing. You're selling commemorative urns filled with popcorn yeah yeah and that's how yeah yeah just be sure you don't eat out of the wrong one that could be an issue because if you're really into a movie i don't know what i'm putting in my mouth i'm just like i just i'm doing this you know right that happens what they what they would need to do 
is have a sticker to put on the actual urn. Yes. That says, this is not popcorn. This is not popcorn. And it should glow in the dark. Yes. Glow in the dark sticker. Definitely. And the biggest word, of course, is popcorn. And this is is not above it. Yeah. Popcorn. Mm -hmm. And that's the sticker. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's the way to go. So staying on horror, you know, I think we're all in agreement. Memorial Day weekend is going to be a happy time for box office. We're all going to make our bones that weekend for sure. But then looking through June, Conjuring the Devil Made Me Do It, which I think is Conjuring 4, I think is the fourth Conjuring. It is three. It is three, yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm I'm thinking further ahead because this is uh, one of the movies that has been pushed back for over a year. So that comes out June 4th. And as I look at June, to me, the big, big one that I'm going to put in here is one of my, not surprise hits, because everyone's expecting, but I think is going to be a big movies or back movie, is a week later, June 11th, in the Heights. I think Conjuring Mm -hmm. 3 on June 4th is not going to do great, but I think June 11th in the Heights is going to be a full-on party in the movie theater. So what do you guys think of what June or at least early June is shaping up as? Well, I will just say really quick that I agree with the Conjuring franchise uh, being kind of on the wane because there was, what was it, last summer or the summer before? Well, not last summer. It had to be the summer before. They had the Annabelle sequel that Mm -hmm. basically was a Conjuring Annabelle crossover. And that film did not do well. That's and, why I thought this was Conjuring 4. I forget, because the Annabelle movie was a... They, they had the uh, Patrick Wilson in that movie, right? And Vera yeah. Yes. Yes. And so that makes me feel like this movie is not going to do great. Uh, it, right now, it's you know tracking anywhere from 15 to 25. I would go on the lower end for that, especially right after Quiet Place. Yeah. But I agree with you. In the Heights... That feels to me like, you know, that's Lynn Manuel uh, Miranda, Miranda yes. right? And Hamilton oversaturated the populace. I think that this is a IP that people forgot how much they liked because it got overshadowed by Hamilton. And this, I think, is more accessible to people. It's got a, a, a diverse cast. It's musical, which we've seen musicals can do very well in the theaters, even if they don't do them initial, like if they don't do initial great business, like The Greatest Showman, they have legs. But then those uh, ABBA movies mm-hmm. always do great box office. And yep. the last one was in the summer and it did great. I think in the Heights, you're going to see attractive people dancing outside, touching each other. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be York. very in New York. Yeah. People are going to be very excited to see that. Yeah, and yep. I do think that this is going to be a big hit. Agreed. If if this film, I mean, I already pegged it at opening north of thirty million, and that's for a right. musical. I mean, even pre-pandemic, that's an amazing number. But the big key is this thing's getting past a hundred million. You guys, I mean, we still haven't seen Godzilla vs Kong is so desperately ty- trying. It's at ninety five million, but it's sinking pretty fast. Yeah. So I'm not sure not that it get there. Yeah, it's gonna just miss it. It's gonna be like ninety eight million. Um, um, but it obviously Quiet Place Part Two will get there. Cru- Cruella should get there. 
Um, but definitely in the Heights is going to get there. You're right. I don't think Conjuring is going to get there. It's not going to go anywhere close. It is going to end up more like the latest Annabelle film. It's just not going to meet expectations. There are 10 films I think can make $100 million this summer. In the Heights is one of those films. Um, and that's that's pretty impressive for a musical um, the only other Warner Brothers film that I have out there making $100 million this summer is obviously Suicide Squad. So mm-hmm. Warner yeah. Brothers, you know, they're going to they're gonna drop a few things. They're going to drop Space Jam um, as well and Reminiscence. Uh, those films aren't going to do much. I mean, spa- hey, listen, Space Jam 1, it's a great film that you remember fondly, but it's not one that you went to see in theaters. Or if you did, you only went because you were pressured by your friends because there might have been this girl that you liked that might like you and you might get to sit next to her. That's my experience. But I think that's gotcha. everybody's experience, you know? And Space Jam 2 will probably end up that same way. Space Jam 2, you guys, I'm just going to put it out there now. That's the one I'm looking at as, could this be the next Waterworld? You know, I, I think they spent a lot of money on this film. LeBron's not going to do it. He doesn't do anything unless there's a lot of money involved in it. Um, that and uh, Snake Eyes, to me, you guys, looks mm. like those films that they maybe right. overspent on. And right now, it's going to be hard to get that money back because of these 10 other films that I think do have a real shot of getting $100 million. Interesting. So, so Space Jam is that might be a little bit too of a test, Clayton, of your tweets or not tickets theory because Space Jam has become the you know uh, uh, sort of nostalgia du jour for a lot of people, and there's a lot of tweeting about it and a lot of defense of it. But I agree. I don't think those same tweeters are going to go out to see it because they're going to ironically want to say the first one is good, but that doesn't mean they're going to want to pay to see the new one. And it's missing an element. Michael Jordan. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. It's missing the main element of why people love that movie. If we're all being honest with ourselves, it's because he was the biggest athlete in the world. And LeBron is an amazing athlete, but he is not even the biggest star in the nba at the moment no, no. right he didn't Here's, have a he didn't have be like mike that he had a theme song you guys lebron right. doesn't have a theme song well, that's all you need to say no Here you know he has the, a catchphrase yeah. i'm taking my talents to south yes. beach yes. that's what he has and right. that's a negative connotation it's a for a negative catchphrase so here's here's one thing i'll throw out there that possibly could keep space jam a new legacy from being uh, this summer's Waterworld is there's starting to be some rumors out there. Some people are teasing that Michael Jordan is going to appear in this movie. It's starting to get out. Obviously, that kind of stuff is leaked on purpose. It's part of their strategy. So if as we get closer, it becomes a full on part of the marketing that Michael Jordan is in this movie, you know, and they're capitalizing on the success of the documentary, you know, that everyone watched last year, you know, maybe you do, maybe what if in the the final trailer, there is a scene where Michael Jordan is looking at his iPad 
and Bugs Bunny is saying something about him, documentary style, how he'll whip his ass on the court. And Michael Jordan is like, I take that personally. That kind of trailer, that could goose the numbers here. But that feels to me, I agree with what you're saying, and that's exactly where I went with that. Right. I feel like if they don't do that, if they don't see have him looking at the iPad and, and that happening, they're losing out. Right. But, but I think he will not get off the couch for it. It's not going to be him playing. No, and that's I, the big difference. It, him just sitting on the couch looking at an iPad and 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 talking about the movie. Yeah. It, yeah, is is it, with the red eyes is not going to do <laughs> if he puts on the shorts and he puts on the jersey. Right. But but I do think right now that couch, Michael Jordan sitting on a couch, Michael Jordan holding an iPad that's a hot property now. He's reinvented himself, and stars do IP. that. Stars reinvent themselves. You know, like Jack Nicholson couldn't play the the uh, you know the Lothario all the way to the end. He played an aging Lothario, but he he stopped short of playing an elderly Lothario. He changed up what he did. Michael Jordan in movies might have to change up to being the iPad guy, and I, so- I think that could be Bapa Bobo. But Pat, we don't know if that's saying, how they're going. You're saying that he's a sit-down star. He might he's be a sit-down star. He's what we now refer to as a, a sit-down star who is right. a, a aging star who is in films sitting down mostly. So yes. I mean, you had Nicholson uh, towards the end of his career doing that. Gene Hackman right. was Brando. doing a lot of sitting. Yeah. Rando was Brando. the king of the oh, sit-down was, star. He, that's all he did. You filmed right. him from the waist up. Right. But, right. but so Jordan... It will be sad. I think it will turn people away if Jordan is now looked at as just a sit-down star. We all love that documentary. I think think that's the only hope for this movie to avoid being a bomb. They got to go all in on MJ's the co-star. He's got the iPad. He's taking it personally. Guys, I would have said, like, I I like that aspect of it. And I would go even one step further and say if— they got Kobe Bryant in here as a sort of tip of the hat. Mm-hmm. I don't know that he filmed anything. I just right. I know that he and LeBron had a close relationship. I know that right. he and Michael had a close relationship. That to me would be actually a real reason to go to the theater and 100%. see it. If if you told me, yeah, Kobe's got a cameo, even if it was, you know, even if they did something digitalized or j- just a memorial of some kind, something, right. you know, yeah. yeah, that that really could I think move the needle. Otherwise, if it's just Jordan sitting down, guess what? I'm going to take his lead. I'm going to sit down and turn on HBO Max and mm-hmm. watch that thing on Friday night. You right. know, But that, I'm not going to go to the movie theaters and see that one. You know, That is true. This is an HBO Max Warner Brothers day and date situation. So that might, that might be more of a watch it at home. That's where I saw Jordan sit at the iPad before. This is where I watched. Yeah. This is my, this is, <laughs> this my, is my screen. Comfortable. Where, yeah. This yeah. is where I watch Jordan. This is this how is, I do it. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. So they'll want to have clean screenshots for memes on this film. Mm-hmm. That will be the oh, focus. Yeah. yeah. They, the people will stay home to take screenshots so they can create high def memes. Oh, and yeah. you just can't get high def memes if you're in the theater taking a picture with your camera I don't, or your, your phone. I, I don't care what level of iPhone you have. No, especially not at Alamo. I mean, don't even think about it. You can't even go back to an Alamo if you whip out your phone there, mm-hmm. you know, which I mm-hmm. which I do like. But, you know, for, for the people that are out there that love the social media aspect of film, yeah, you, you can't even step foot in one of those. 
Now, Jeff, you you kicked off the this is what you think will be Waterworld, and I get so excited. I know, Pat, you you get excited with this kind of thing, too. We we didn't get a chance to do our bombs list this year, and it's heartbreaking because it's our favorite episode of of the year. And I'm going to go, just since we're talking about it, I'm going to go with this is my Waterworld, Free Guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, August 13. Yeah. I know that's more of a slam doink. It's it's yeah. a burn off. It's a 20th Century Studios film. This thing is totally getting burnt off. And I do think that this is going to bomb. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to disagree with you. It's a tough sell. Um, like we said, comedy is a tough sell right now, even with Ryan Reynolds. That, I think, is the redeeming factor. Uh, but man it's it's like it's right on the edge it's like is this good or is this really bad and i and i think audiences are wondering that as well um does ryan reynolds still have it outside of deadpool that's the other question you know did um, he ever uh, yeah exactly did he ever outside of van wilder cuz we know he had it with right. van wilder everybody right. knows that he right. was van wilder but it's it's a it's a tough sell it is one of the films I put in that could make a hundred million, but it could also make 30 million. You know, yes, you just yes. don't know. Um, so that's a good call. I think that's a strong lead because you know, that film was expensive as well. And mm. it, like you said, it, it fell through 20th century Fox back in the day. You know, here we are years later, it's been on the shelf. Is that comedy still fresh? You know, right. that's the other thing about comedy, man. If you don't get it out right away, it is old news. Um, right. Right, they, they, that movie might be filled with like W jokes. Like we don't even know how long ago. At this point, if you told me Free Guy was filmed in in two thousand and five, I'd say, oh yeah, I think I remember them yeah. talking about it then. <laughs> it, 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 I don't know how long this has been on the shelf. And do people still play The Sims? Is so is that still funny? Right. You know, that's the other thing. Right, right. And, and, it's a it's yeah. a premise that was behind the time when it was greenlit, never yeah. mind after being delayed for a year and a half. Um, and, and then, oh yeah, Pat, do you want to go uh, with yours? Do you have well, one? I mean, just one thing looking at Free Guy. So that comes out August 13th, and it comes out the same weekend as Deep uh, as Don't Breathe 2. And I would bet Free Guy is going to bomb... And I would still, gun to my head, bet Free Guy opens number one against it. Actually, I won't say it opens number one because it's the week after Suicide Squad. I bet Suicide Squad is still number one. It's number one, yeah. Yeah. But I would bet Free Guy would make more than Don't Breathe 2. But I don't think that's a slam doink. I think, Jeff, you're right. There maybe is a nightmare scenario where Free Guy makes less than something like Don't Breathe 2 opening weekend. Yikes. Yeah, Yeah. that's definitely a possibility. And, um, so, so what is yours? I mean, that would have been mine too. I mean, I agree. Free guy is such a disaster. I mean, I think it's one of the ones we've talked about. Like, honestly, looking at this summer movie list, I think the big ones for sure are free guy. And I think it's snake eyes. GI Joe origins is such a burnoff movie. So I think that one is a bomb. Space Jam and The Conjuring. So I mean, like my pick would either be Conjuring or Snake Eyes. I think those are like the big four yep. of the big budget movies that could really tank in a major way. I don't see something I'm, else. I'm gonna that throw could. one more. 
I'm going to throw one more at you guys. Uh, just uh, just uh, a perhaps. Uh, and I think I might know what you're going to say. So go for it and I'll say uh, it. Okay. I think I might know too. Yeah. Guys, and it might come up on us really quick. I'm going to throw Cruella into that mixer. Listen. Interesting. Listen, 101 Dalmatians, it's great. And, and it, it's had a long shelf life and, and, you know, Glenn Close played the live action and it, and it was great, but because this feels like a, it really feel, even with Emma Stone and, and she is amazing and she's excellent and everything she is, um, it feels like a D plus movie and they are offering it on D plus. So what if, what, what if there's a scenario where a quiet place to, like we all said, we all think it's going to do huge business. It does 50 million mm-hmm. that opening weekend. And let's say Cruella does less than 20. Let's say it does 14, 15 million, you know, opening Interesting. weekend. And I know that Disney movies, like we can all look at Ray and the Last Dragon. We're like, oh yeah, it plays long. It, it has a long play to it. 11 weeks. It's still making 1.7 million. But guess what, guys? Last Dragon is still not a box office success. Last no. I looked, you know, it has still made very little money. It hasn't even made $50 million yet. Could the same thing happen to Cruella, which you know they spent over $100 million on this thing? I, I think it's a real concern um, just because I'm not sure. I'm not totally sold that families are ready to go back for a film like this because mm-hmm. what we've seen with the Crudes and Rhea... Yeah, they they last a long time, but they still don't top sixty million, and that's not the number that Disney or anybody else who's making high profile, big budget kids film. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for right. two hundred million, and that's that would be my one concern that it's opening against a film that that as we've seen of of it's in a genre. Quiet Place Two is in a genre where people are more than comfortable going back, but. We still haven't, outside of Tom and Jerry, which opened at 14 million, we still haven't seen a family film do those kind of numbers yet. Maybe Cruella is the one, but man, I'm going to still put an asterisk by it just in case. Yeah, I I think Cruella will open big. I think the legs are TBD. You know, mm-hmm. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that weekend, Memorial Weekends, are going to be a, a free-for-all. People are going to be not only seeing their first movie that weekend but it'll be the first time people have seen multiple movies in the same weekend in yeah. in in a year so i i think opening in the teens would be a bad sign for this movie but i do see the possibility where it opens at 25 or 30 and makes 50 total you yeah. know i i don't i agree that that's not off the table because people are going to be watching it on pvod yeah now, yeah. now, Jeff, I think if if you are correct in this, mm-hmm. and this is a bomb, I do feel that this is the epitome of your Waterworld type of film, mm-hmm. because I think that this film will have a long tail. Yes. I think you're going to see kids 20 years from now yeah. dressing like Cruella. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Because I think this is going to have a following, and- the reason why I think this may do well is we've talked on this show many a times about the biggest star going. Mm-hmm. The biggest star going in Hollywood right now is not your Leo. It's not your Will Smith. Mm-hmm. It's Joker. Right. This is Cruella is Joker for babies. <laughs> yeah. The babies will get their own Joker. You're going to yep. see five-year-olds dressing like Cruella for Christmas. Yes. 
And I think that that is something that will make this movie a hit. Now, but even if it isn't a hit, it will have a cultural impact that will yes. be bigger than Quiet Place 2. Definitely. Yeah, that, that hairdo alone that she has. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and that's a good point is that they will sell that hairdo at Disneyland and Disney World and every other Disney store mm-hmm. all year long and years after that. So you're right. And that's just how Disney is. The product is worth more usually than the film. And um, so whatever this film does, it will end up being profitable for them. Again, maybe they squeeze out a sequel, but I don't see it going beyond that because what, who it really has to appeal to, I think are, you know, are the fanboys and fangirls that have turned out for these other films that have actually done well at the box office. Does it hit the teen market? You know, or is that too babyish now? Mm-hmm. Is quite quite place two more their speed? Um, that's that's my concern. Is that it? it, it yeah, I know it's PG thirteen and it looks a little hardlined, but I don't know that it's hardlined enough uh, to compete for that teen marketplace. Which I think they're, you know, that's what they're going after. Joke, Joker light, you know, to to me, and and I'm not sure that it's there. I feel like it's still a little too Disney to go into those dark places. We'll right. see though. It's going to be interesting. I'm glad we have a film that that we don't know anything about, really, in terms of overall box office. That's why this summer overall is going to be so interesting because, you know, we're going to find out which genres are working without, you know, obviously with, what, 65% of the marketplace open. Hopefully we'll get up to 70 75% as we gear up into the summer. Um, We're going to find out a lot about what works and what doesn't, you know, post-pandemic. And I think Cruella will show us where Emma Stone is on the totem pole of stars. I think if this Mm -hmm. does really well, a lot of the credit will have to go to Emma Stone. Yes. Yes. Has to. Yeah. Has to. Yeah. And and I think with stars, especially, you know, we're all going to have to adjust to what the new benchmarks are going to be in box office. You know, whether with day and date PVOD, whether we could still expect a hundred million to be the benchmark of a hit. Maybe that has to get lower. We'll see. But I do think for stars, the big test is opening weekend. You know, so if Cruella opens at 25 plus, even if it drops a lot in the coming weeks, because it's on PVOD, if it opens 25 plus, I think that's, that is a home run for Emma Stone because like yeah. that's what you expect out of a star is to get them their opening weekend. You know, then its circumstances take over after that point. Yeah. But it, it, if this makes twenty five, then I think that is another feather in her star cap. For um, sure. And so I want to throw out talent. a movie. I want to throw out a movie that Jeff I thought that was going to be possibly what you predicted as another bomb. And this is a movie that I don't think is going to bomb. I do think it's going to be a hit, but let me throw this out. Another Disney plus day and date theater and PVOD release jungle cruise starring (laughs) Emily Blunt and Dwayne, the rock Johnson. How are we feeling about this? This opens the end of July, which is typically a primo spot, one of the last big, big releases usually come that last weekend in July. So is this, is this Jeff, one of your hundred million dollar top 10? It sneaks in there. It nice. sneaks in like at one Oh three. 
And that's only on the power of The Rock, honestly, and his Mm. power to promote his own films. Um, But you're right. It it, it certainly could be a $50 million film, too. You know, you don't know. That last weekend of July, uh, and and especially a week before Suicide Squad opens, which is Mm. one of the, I think, four films that has a chance to to open near $100 million. I'm Mm. not sure that any will get there, but Suicide Squad has a chance. Fast 9 has a chance. Black Widow, Shang-Chi. These films have a chance to still open with $100 million if if everything works out, you know, and and if people actually show up. To me personally, I think they can get close. I really don't think maybe we'll see it until the fall, until Spider-Man opens. That's my target for the first $100 million opening. Mm -hmm. But like I said, in a perfect world, Fast 9 gets there, you know, and it's possible. Um, let's just see how quiet place two opens and Cruella opens and then we'll know more. But so, so if I target jungle cruise, you know, the week before one of the biggest films opens, I think people, maybe they hold on and wait to see, you know, everybody wants to see suicide squad. Nobody really wants to see jungle cruise. And we kind of know how, how those films have played out outside of pirates of the Caribbean with, with Johnny Depp. Anytime that Disney has tried to make a film based on one of their rides, um, Country Bears, Haunted Mansion, yeah, um, they, they, they have not performed well. But I will say, like, if we talk about what the new comedy is, and the new comedy is more comedy action, right? Yes. And that's where, uh, he, you know, The Rock has had a lot of success. That's his whole career is right. doing comedy action because that's what people want to see. And, and by late July... People may want to see that again. And so I, I never count The Rock out, and especially when it has Disney's marketing machine behind him. And and honestly, it has a pretty good cast. And I bet all of us will go to it and go, man, that wasn't as bad as I thought it was. You know, yeah. and, and that's that, that word of mouth could probably sustain it until September. Yeah. It's I, the Jumanji I'm, I'm model. It's the Jumanji yes. model. Yes. Well, that's that's going to be the big thing because Jumanji was always the first, uh, you know, the the rock Jumanji remake was definitely a movie that could have done nothing. It could have come out and people are like, this stinks and it does nothing. Instead, that first one made a billion dollars worldwide. One of the biggest overperformers we have seen in a decade. And I would be very surprised if Jungle Cruise gets to there because I'm just going to guess Jungle Cruise doesn't have the inventiveness that they brought to Jumanji. It's probably going to be a lot closer to like the journey to the center of the earth movie that the rock did mysterious Island journey, which I think got to like 102 million. So, you know what I mean? We're looking at it and that would be, I think that would be a great number. And obviously depending on what it does, you know, it'll obviously be a lot more popular overseas. So maybe they pull out, Maybe they pull out three to four hundred million. I think that would be a success worldwide. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think with the like based on what you were saying, The Rock being a comedy action guy, that might be the thing that keeps this movie from hitting that next level. Is you're not pairing The Rock up with Kevin Hart, with Danny DeVito, with Jack Black. It's like when The Rock has to be the all the comedy, that yeah. is the tougher sell. That's a great but- point. But let's not discount Emily Blunt. No. She's good. She's right. good. And she'll be coming um, in hot. She'll be yeah, coming she in hot be. off of uh, Quiet Place too. Yeah. Yeah. So, again, you're right. That That's, uh, you know, um, I, I'm going to just, I'll list my other 10. 
here's the 10 that I think can do 100, obviously, in the Heights. We already talked about that. F9, that's a mm-hmm. no-brainer. Black Widow, Suicide Squad, Shang-Chi. Um, Free Guy, we talked about. It's possible. It's possible. Uh, Jungle Cruise, um, Quiet Place Part 2, Cruella, and then the one that I just, I, I can't wait to see, guys. It's Hotel Transylvania 4. Transylvania, yes. I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. I well, mean, come on. Adam Sandler is back maybe for the last time on the big screen. You guys, we is all have, we, we, is wait, are you saying he's not in hotel? So, Transyl- so Clayton, Vegas? have you heard this? I, and I'll check, check on it again. Cause I have heard rumors that Adam Sandler is not in this movie. Oh, you just blew my mind with that, man. I, I, God damn, I hope that's not true. So that, it's called Hotel Transylvania Transformania, like you said. <laughs> it does not have the numerical numbering, which makes me think, yes, is something up here with this? That is Sandler it? is not, I, I, I'm, we're going to IMDb here. Yeah. Is, uh, is it possible Andy Samberg impersonates Sandler and just takes over both roles. Brian Hull has replaced franchise star Adam Sandler as the voice of Drac. I'm reading this on a site called cartoonbrew.com. And that's legit, right? That's I mean, they do have, they do have a lot of pop-up ads on their site. So I feel like that gives you legitimacy. Um, I am seeing if I can find this anywhere else, but I, I did read this. Uh, Forbes does have an article. Can is this by legacy box office writer Scott Mendelson does have an article saying that yes, Hotel Transylvania can it succeed without Adam Sandler? Oh, so, oh my god, you guys, so, so take it off the list, take, take it off, yeah, take drop yeah. it 25 million. I mean, that's why we go to see the nutty riffs yeah. that Adam Sandler has on yeah. this cartoon character, you know. Oh, Jesus. This just sounds like a horrible now VHS ripoff of like Little Mermaid two and a half, you know? Yep. That exactly. That's what this is. They didn't get Robin Williams back. So they sent it straight to video. So it looks like the rest of the cast is reprising. They did get David Spade. So I don't know. Does that make you put it back on the hundred million dollars? Because he does have David Spade. That might drop it actually a little bit lower now, even because David Spade would have, yeah, because they'll say, yeah, exactly. Oh no. Yeah. Little David Spade goes a long ways. We've, we've always known that. Um, yeah, dang it, man, you guys, I, I, I'm going to have to rethink my entire lit top 10 list now. Um, So that was, that was one that I remember when we first talked, you know, six months ago or so I had that looking ahead is going to be a big one too. And I think it's, it's not just the fact that the movie will be worse without Sandler. You're also not going to get Adam Sandler going on to Conan, going on to all these shows doing, you know, doing all of his promotion for the movie, you know, if he's not in it. Yeah. This would be like, having a, a police academy movie without Steve Gutenberg. You don't right. do yeah. it. You don't yeah. do don't, it, man. Right. Cause you need Gutenberg to go around town and promote. Yes. Yeah. Gutenberg. I mean, he opens up his t-shirt in interviews. You see the hairy chest. Yep. People just flock to that. Yeah. So, so Clayton, what do you think? Cause you're, I mean, we're all, we're all Sandman <laughs> fans. So do you, do you think that this movie drops wildly or will they be able to trick people into thinking listen look 
we 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 were still not totally sure whether Sandler was in this or not. I think their strategy is going to be to really hide the lack of Sandler in the advertising. I, I think I think so much of a kids film doing Baffa Bobo and being a big hit is will parents be able to stand seeing it? Mm-hmm. And I think if they know that Sandler's not in this, they are going to try to divert their child from seeing this film mm-hmm. because I know that all the rest of the cast are back, but I think that is a major loss to me. Cause if you look at the last two hotel Transylvania films, they, I mean, all of the, the three movies all opened in the forties. The second one opened to 48 and the third one opened to 44. And wow. then they both ended up making 167 and the and uh, the second one made 169, so they were all very close. Wow. I think this still could reach 100, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's hitting 160. No. I no. think it might still hit 100, but it it's going to be it tight. Ekes it ekes it, yeah. if 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 anything. And looking at this this whole summer, there's not much for the kids because. They moved. This was a film that I was actually going to jump in and say I think is going to go the way of Smurfs 2. And that is June 18th, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway. I think kids are over Peter Rabbit. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I know we underestimated the love for Tom and Jerry uh, uh, like a few months ago. I do think that Peter Rabbit 2, I know this moved into a spot where the Pixar film was going to go, but now that's going straight to Disney+. Plus. I think Peter Rabbit 2 also does not do well. I think it's a Smurfs 2 all over again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels it feels that way. And and now that Sony has a couple Smurfs 2 on the schedule with Peter Rabbit and Hotel Transylvania. But, but then again, you're right. There really isn't much for kids out there. Space Jam isn't really for kids. Right. A Peter Rabbit 2 isn't. I mean, it's not. They, they miss, it was an Easter film, guys. They totally mm-hmm. missed the boat. Um, yes. And now, so so without with with Luca Pixar's film going straight to and only to D plus, then yeah, you're kind of left with Hotel Transylvania. You know, that's yeah. that's what's for dinner, folks. And so you're right. Maybe it does eke out a hundred because it's going to play. Although if the, if that's the case, they probably should have opened it early in July, honestly, and let it play through the entire summer because. Mm-hmm we all know kids go back to school, at least in LA, like mid August. So it's only going to have like three weeks really to play. Um, there isn't enough content for kids. I will say that, but maybe that's because, well, I know that's because Raya and Crudes and all of these very expensive films are not making the kind of money that they're used to making. So uh, that's why Boss Baby 2 is waiting until September to come out instead of dropping in the, in the summertime. In fact, Universal has is going to try something with Spirit Untamed, and I, I think everybody will wish they hadn't tried that. Um, yeah. That movie has zero buzz. Uh, the only thing I could say is that it might benefit from being the only thing out there for young kids. Yeah, it does open, though, that same weekend against a animated film called The Oglies, uh, which looks to be a Russian film <laughs> set in the town of Smellyville about garbage-eating creatures. So, now, that sounds good to me. Um, listen, as Clayton always says, the rats need their cheese. So, yeah, Hotel Transylvania may, by default, being the only piece of cheese, just get torn apart by the rats. So it may yeah. get to 100 
And why? And why looking at August twentieth? Why is the Paul Paw Patrol movie dropping <laughs> yeah. August twentieth when every kid is back in school? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. That's that's. Um, I mean, Tyler Perry, Kim Kardashian, Jimmy Kimmel. Come on, you guys, look at yeah. this cast. Uh, I don't know. That that's a really strange release date for um, Paramount, but their schedule is pretty weird. You know, they have three movies coming out this summer. Twentieth uh, Century has one. Lionsgate has two. You know, this is there are thirty percent, thirty-two percent less films coming out in twenty twenty-one than we had in the summer of twenty nineteen. Mm-hmm. So, part of the obviously we we know the reasons for that. So I think there's thirty about thirty-eight to forty wide releases coming out um, this summer versus two thousand nineteen, which saw about almost sixty wide releases, fifty-six wide releases by our count. So. Um, obviously a lot of these films are a lot more is expected from all of these films, especially the, the big time blockbusters. These films have to play like it's the summer 1984 all over gun, uh, summer 1986. Let's, let's pull out aliens. Let's pull out karate kid part two, top gun, Cobra. Those films played all summer long in 86 because mm-hmm. people love them. We need those films in desperately in 2021. We need them to play like they are Top Gun out there, whether they are or not. F9's got to come out that way and play all summer long. Well, um, we well let's get into it. That. Let's get into it with the with the big ones. You know, we've been skating around the big big ones. I mean, I think we're all in agreement that the ones that are competing for, and I guess it depends if we're counting. Uh, Shang-Chi as a summer movie, but let's take that off the table and let's just go June, July, August for now. So the big, big ones are, of course, F9, Black Widow, Suicide Squad. I mean, is there another one that would be make it a big four or is that the big three? Like, obviously, we don't think Jungle Cruise or Hotel Transylvania are going to get in there. So those are the big three. What what do we think, just domestically, what do we think the number one is going to be of those three? Clayton, you want to hit this first, man? This is tough. Yeah, I mean, uh, the thing with F9 is I love F9, but if we're looking historically, domestic is not its biggest strength. Its biggest strength is... Uh, worldwide international play. So I don't think it's going to be the biggest domestic earner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it could, because, you know, when there's, when there's a break between films where it's supposed to come out one summer, it doesn't come out to the next one. There is that built in anticipation, but I think this is a different situation than with, with fast seven. So I don't see that being the number one. And, and I know Jeff, you'll probably fight me on this a little bit. Uh, the, Black Widow, I just, I feel like now with the Disney Plus TV shows, it's like what makes this different than a TV show on Disney Plus, really? I I think it's a prequel. It's, her story is, feels so much further in the past now than it was. This is pre, I mean, it's a prequel pre pretty much anything we've seen before, right? Yeah. And I just don't know how this fits in. I know she is a star, but the rest of this, I just I feel like the, I feel like big screen Marvel is going to have a hard time competing with the stuff that they're putting on the small screen. So no. also with this being available at home, 
what's the difference between WandaVision and this right now? So I just don't think in the theater this is going to be the number one film. Give, so, me your, yeah. give me your openings for those two films. Oh, opening, opening for F9. So F9 is coming at in... End of June, June the 25th. June 25th. You know, I feel like this could open to $80 million. Yeah, solid. That's exactly what I had it at, too. I I think on a a thread with Jeff, I think that was my prediction was 80. I I think 80 is where that comes in. Black Widow is a little bit harder. I don't think it makes 100. See, uh, I do. I don't think it makes 100. I I think Black Widow will make 100 million opening weekend. I think that is going to be a huge, huge event. So you're saying, now, is that the number one opener of the summer, Pat? Yes. I think it will open bigger than Suicide Squad, you know. I mean, the, the the one thing that Suicide Squad might have in its favor is you got the built-in Marvel-DC rivalry. The Marvel movie is opening first, and there might be that DC fanboy rallying of, like, <laughs> Black Widow opened at 108, so we got to get Suicide Squad to, you know, 109 or higher. Yeah. You know, that's sort of like numbers padding. Yeah. They're doing wacky things with their AMC A-list apps. <laughs> you know, so there might be a little of chicanery yeah. from the fanboys. But I, yeah, I disagree. I mean, this has always been a big disagreement with Clayton and I is I'm a little bit more bullish on still the future of Marvel. And I don't think it matters whether this Black Widow movie is new or fresh or not, I think the Marvel fans are going to be, which is everybody, because it's the yeah. biggest mainstream thing in movies, are just going to be so excited to go see a Marvel movie again. I think Black Widow is, and ScarJo is a, is a movie star, especially when she's in action movie. Hey, listen, you, you say that, Pat, but what is she open? That's not Lucy. a Marvel movie. Lucy. Lucy. How many years ago was Lucy? She's been doing Marvel movies since then. Okay. And she's got married. She's had a lot of, you know, she's had a lot going on. But I think when you put ScarJo in an in a action movie. Ghost in the Machine. And they're going to, yeah. it's going to be, you know, not, not to make it about that, but they're going to put her in the spandex and the Black Widow outfit. And I think she, that's $108 million. That's my she prediction. Was, she was in Ghost, she was in Ghost of the Machine. She was in spandex. There was a, lot, to see a lot of, lot of things in that movie that turned people off. I think Black Widow is a sure thing. I, I would, I, I, I think that's our, our first $100 million domestic opener. You don't think Suicide Squad has a chance? I know the I, thing I about Suicide does. Squad. I think that, I mean, listen, Suicide Squad. By August, we could be fully rocking. Yeah. Everyone's back in normal. Suicide Squad could open to 160. I mean, I God think, knows. I th- yeah, I think that's key, guys. I- I'm going to just jump in here and say only because of exactly that point. Suicide Squad becomes the number one opener because everybody's, we, hey, guess what? You were too scared to go to the movies for F9. You kind of went to Black Widow, but you went like in week two or three. Once it's August, Suicide Squad rolls around. There's going to be so many spoilers. You got to go see this thing right away. You do not yeah. want to know who died next week, you know, in the Suicide Squad. So you go. I mean, that original film opened at 133 million. I think the build up to this and having, you know, having Harley Harley Quinn back in this and 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 Margot Robbie 
as as one of the stars this is just gonna hit on all points and james gunn directing it yeah uh, this is the i think the number one opener by default because of a, a lot of different factors and i also think it's going to be the number one movie of the summer uh that original topped out at 325 domestic and it wasn't yeah. great you guys it wasn't great no so no. even if this hits 250 million i still think that's enough to be the number one domestic film of the summer, uh, I agree with you guys both uh, about Black Widow. I agree that that opening number is going to be huge, but I think I agree with Clayton in saying it's not going to have the sustainability that we've seen with other Marvel films because it doesn't really connect to anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, there'll probably be some threads that connect it somehow, but it doesn't have uh, the must-see that that Avengers, that Captain America, that Thor, that these previous Marvel films have had so i say it drops off a lot faster and doesn't have the staying power that say suicide squad will or and i i still think black widow uh tops tops off above f9 ultimately just because f9 we all know is kind of it's one and done it it, it is going to open big um and it's going to have a a decent shelf life but not as good as black widow and 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 certainly i think suicide squad is just in the right place at the right time it's going to clean up all the way until uh shang chi opens which i do consider a summer film i am a traditionalist and and i always say it's all the way through labor day and Mm -hmm. if your film opens there you get all those grosses afterwards that's just how i am that's how i was raised in the box office i know we're all a little bit different there but again it yeah, I, I don't it. think Shang-Chi opens uh, as big as Black Widow. Honestly, I, I just... Agreed. I, I think it is going to be... A tr- it's going to be tricky in this next phase for people to catch on to these smaller characters. And, and nothing against uh, what they have going on there. But when I saw the trailer, I'm like, oh, I've kind of seen this stuff before. It's not, it's not really a superhero thing as much as it is a kung fu thing and that's going to turn some audiences off and not me i'm not talking about me but i'm talking about some of the masses and i don't think this will it's possible it doesn't even do black widow numbers ultimately i don't know about worldwide um that could be a different case but i also think black widow worldwide will just will be just fine as long as europe opens as long as um asia stays open and everything is copacetic over there we will have that. But we have seen a huge backlash from Asian communities in the films that we release as Asian films, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a huge concern, I think, for this latest Marvel film uh, going forward um, in September. So trying to tie things up, what are, we could go around, what are some movies that we have yet to discuss because like you said jeff there's there's not a there's so many less movies than normally would be in a summer even though this is going to be by far the most amount of new movies we've had in over a year so um and i could start by throwing one out something that i think is going to be a successful movie that we haven't mentioned july 2nd the forever purge i saw this trailer before uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw last night. I think unlike Spiral from the Book of Saw, Forever Purge is giving the Purge fans what they want, which is just more purging. In it, enough of a twist where now it's the Purge lasts forever. It's not just one night, constant Purge. I think by the standards of these movies, this will be a hit. Those movies 
open pretty big and actually have better legs than most horror franchises. And I think that's going to be the case here. I think the Purge IP is strong. I think they do a good job of making these movies about America. So ironically, opening it on 4th of July weekend is going to be great. So I have that as a hit. And I'm going to throw out one more movie that is a limited A24 movie that I think is going to stick around for the summer. It is a movie based on a Twitter thread, something called Zola, opening June 30th. I think this is going to be, I've heard about this movie from different women in my life. I think this is going to be a movie that people are excited about because it is the first based on a Twitter thread movie. And I think A24 is going to make hay with this one. You know, it's not going to be a multi-million dollar opening weekend, but I think you're going to see that movie in these specialty theaters through August. Pat, what did we say? Yeah. We just talked about I, tweets aren't ticks. But These Twitter, people are talking about this film. They're not going to see it. This movie will make zero dollars. I'm going to go. I'm going with Clayton on this one. I thought really? you were going to say The Green Knight. And I was like all in. I was like, yeah, Green Knight is going to do some business this summer. Yeah. People, those tweets, I think, are real. Okay. Whereas the the, the Zola tweets, I think, I, I think people are going to be like, WTF is this? Uh, no, I'm not going to see that in theaters. Uh, like uh, my girlfriend watched it and she just said, what the hell? Is this a real movie? And, and I I feel like a lot of people are going to say that, you know? So it's going to be a snakes on the pl- on a plane situation. Y- yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I could see that. But, but hey, if we're wrong, it's, you know, you, you are the big winner here. If, if it turns out that your prediction is right, you know, hey, that is a good call. Well, it's a know? big it's a big test for the future of IP because we're starting to figure out our Twitter threads IP. So we'll yeah. we'll find out this summer. I agree with you, Green Knight. That's the new David Lowry movie, right? And yeah. that's been getting a lot of like post trailer excitement. And 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 I know again we don't say yeah the tweets 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 tweets. There's been a lot of tweets about Green Knight, but these are from people I actually trust. You know, mm-hmm. not like burner accounts. Mm-hmm. So, so Clayton, can, do you want to throw out a movie we have yet to talk about that you think either is going to overperform or underperform? Something we haven't discussed. I want to be positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to throw out two films that one that I think is going to overperform and one that I am very fascinated to see what it will do. And it could break big because you never know mm-hmm. with this certain person. But I'm going to start out. July 16th, Escape Room 2. Okay. Now, Escape Room 1 was a very big surprise hit. And the thing about this film is that if anybody saw... Did did you guys see Escape Room? I saw it in the theater, yeah. I fell asleep through one Escape Room, (laughs) but then I woke up and saw the rest of the Escape Rooms. And what's great about a format like Escape Room is that's fine. Yeah, you can miss a room. It's okay. And you can do your context clues and look at the characters and be like, oh, that person died in yeah. the, the room I slept through. Yeah. Great. Yeah. See, so it already has something that we people love. Now, this film ended with showing that it's there's a world and a connectivity here. Mm-hmm. These kind of movies, we're talking about Saw and how Saw has been extinguished. Paranormal Activity, those kind of those franchise that have been kind of extinguished. This is the second film 
in a what's probably going to be a series, but a sequel to a under the radar sleeper hit buzzed about film that people saw later. They're going to be clamoring to see the second one. I think this is going to do really good business because yeah. it just seems set up for that. The second one of these films usually do the best. And I think that that's going to be a big, a big hit yeah. and surprise so, people. Yeah. Sony is going to make bank this summer on their low budget horror sequels. Surprise, surprise. That's the story. Is That's the age old story in Hollywood. Yeah. Escape Room 2, Don't Breathe 2, both under the radar, both made buku bucks and where they probably shouldn't have. And the kids like them. You know, the teenagers like, like the way that we used to like Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th. It's the same way. It's a new spin on the horror take. And the kids are there for them. You know, they will gravitate towards Escape Room 2. And they will not go to Space Jam, the new legacy that weekend. Yes. No. And, and now, Breathe 2. Don't Breathe 2. I do think there is a caveat with that one is if, and, and not to be crass, if the baster is back, I think... You got the Buffa Bobo. Right. Yeah. I don't know if the baster's back. We'll yeah. have to see. If the baster's back, then let me tell you, that's going to be a huge film. And two basters, forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they should. So July 23rd, Yeah. I'm looking at old. Mm-hmm. Yes. The new M. Night Shyamalan wackadoo movie yep. that had a, wasn't this a Super Bowl commercial it did have a super bowl yeah. commercial and people went nuts for that yeah yeah and i think he does really good business on his small weirdo films like the 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 visit that was a surprise hit now i know that was years ago and then he did his whole end of the trilogy with with uh glass this i think is gonna be interesting and i think people are going to go see this and i think it's up against two films like we said transform mania will probably be number one but snake eyes i think is going to be a colossal tank yes. yeah and so i think you're going to see a lot of people going to see old yeah exactly snake eyes opens at 14 and old hits like 22 you know yes. and does really well after that i agree with you i think you never count M. Night out. And when he has a weird, peculiar movie that you're like, what the hell is going on? Old. Uh, people are going to gravitate towards that, man. It is going to be, you know, it's going to be just like his other films that, you know, could rack up $75 million And I'm sure they spent like $10 million on it. You know, well, mm-hmm. he just, he is the the originator, you know, of the of the Bloomhouse model. He does well, films on a small budget. And I mean, looking as a comp. I'm looking at the opening weekend for Split, which mm-hmm. came out in January of 2017. That movie opened to $40 million. 40. And the yeah. second weekend was 25. And that was a similarly very small movie that yeah. just so crazily overperformed. I mean, actually, would we say. Do we all sort of think that old is the movie that has the biggest chance of overperforming yes. to yeah. a crazy level? Like this I might would, be the only yes. movie that comes totally out of nowhere to make a hundred million dollars. Yeah, it is the dark. It is the dark horse of the mm-hmm. summer for sure. I think you guys, we all pegged that. That is that is the one that could do some serious business. Unlike Candyman, which mm. Universal is just burying at the end of uh, August, August twenty seventh. In fact, um, that to me is a hatchet job. Um, I don't know what that. Uh, listen, I, I watched the original. 
um, in theaters back in the day. I liked it. I was a kid. I didn't realize the whole social commentary that was going on uh, with that film. Mm -hmm. I just wasn't there yet uh, emotionally. Um, There is a lot of heavy-handed stuff in this film, it seems like, at least from the marketing. I'm not sure that audiences really want that in their horror films, you know, and and that's, that's, uh, you know, take it or leave it, but um, old uh, Escape Room 2, Don't Breathe 2, those sound like just fun horror films. Candyman may be something different, and Universal may not have the hit that they think they have, and I, I think that that's one it's going, it's going to vex them a little bit. Yeah, the Candyman release schedule slot is so weird because it's like you were describing before with these half-baked potatoes where it's some in the oven, some in the microwave. Candyman is coming out at the end of the summer, absolute end. And then at that point, you're so close to October anyway. If you really had faith in this movie as a horror movie, I would think then you would just open it in October. So that, that late August slot for a horror movie, that is that feels like a clear burnoff where yeah. it's like, we don't have the faith to make you a summer movie, but we also don't have the faith to yeah. just make you our Halloween movie. Exactly. And, and then you, it's right before a week before another Marvel film opens. Yeah. It's going to, that's going to bury everything. I'm sorry. You just, that's not how you program a success. Uh, you know, it's the same thing they're doing with Warner brothers is doing with Hugh Jackman and the, the reminiscence that also opens on, 827. I don't care if it's this is the year we come off a pandemic. You still bury films. You bury bad films in the dead of August. That's what you do. Yeah. That has not changed. These are films they want buried, folks. Yeah. Now, yeah. since Candyman is a universal film, do you think it's going to do the 17 day? I mean, are we still going to be doing the 17 day window with that? I think so. I think mm-hmm. Candyman is a you put it in the theater, see what you can squeeze out of that lemon. Or how yeah. much honey you can get out of those bees. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And then you just drop it on PVOD, which I do think it would do really yeah. well. It'll bo- do yeah. Bafo Streamo. Yeah, total Streamo. Right. So they're actually timing the Candyman PVOD release to be right there for October rather than yeah. open the movie in movie theaters in October. Oh, you know what? And There's then- a lot of ways to go now. And then their Halloween kills is going to kill it. They yes. know that. Yes. And and that's what they're going to save their huge opening for. They, they, they know what yeah. they're doing. So to wrap it all up on the summer, are we, and I think we are, are we overall pretty optimistic that box office theatrical is going to be back this summer. People are going to be excited about these movies. People are going to, if not get back to where we were, you know, two summers ago, we're going to get the goodwill back with these movies. Or do we kind of feel like they've dropped the the ball by not also putting out, you know, mission, uh, putting out Top Gun Maverick or Mission Impossible or some of these other big movies that are still being held. No bond this summer. Should the studios have loaded up a little bit more with blockbusters? I think they, they, this is the right amount. We're Mm -hmm. at, you know, like you said, 
capacity wise, we are at less than we than we can be. And I don't know if it'll be like that all summer, but it's going to be like that for the first half of the summer. So if we're at 30% less films than 2009, it gets all of these films a chance to breathe, a, t- a chance for audiences to be comfortable again and come back to theaters at their own pace without feeling like they're being inundated with all of these titles week in and week out. Yeah, there's a, there's basically a new big title every weekend, but there's not two or three big titles every weekend as we usually see at the movies. And I think for 2021, that's a good thing. And I also think for 2022, it's probably a good thing. And maybe even 2023. You guys, this may be the new way that Hollywood realizes summer. You know, give these films a chance. And that's the problem, you know, with Hollywood um, sometimes is that that the studios really don't discuss things. And instead of working together, you know, they work against each other. Um, With this lineup, I think you're going to see audiences return in a way that they haven't before. Yeah, it may not happen right away. It may not happen uh, over Memorial Day, like we suspect. It may not happen in June because it's a little light, but it's going to happen in July and in August. And and I think that's uh, that's a very positive thing uh, that we got going on here. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I agree, Jeff. I, I definitely think that's the way it should be. A let people get their toes wet, get their legs wet, get the bottom, their belly wet, half their torso before you dunk them head first. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that's what this is because you are. You're going to have to have those people like you guys who are going back to the theater. I'm going to be going back to the theater. I'm going to be advocating for the theater experience. I'm going to be somebody who's going out there and really seeing how comfortable I feel and how comfortable I think people will feel. And I'm going to advocate for it. If I feel like, yes, this is a place we can all go back to. I believe it is. I think Pat, you believe it is Jeff. I don't want to speak for you, but I'm going to, I think you believe it is, but God damn it. You're right too. You're right. There needs to be strong voices like ours that advocate for this. And we're able to go when there's not as many people really scope it out and be the experts and tell everybody Get in the pool. The water's fine. Mm-hmm. And the timber, not only do we have strong voices, our timbers are very, are very pleasant. I would say yes. all of yes. us. Yeah. yeah. And you need to be strong and soothing. That's, that's very important uh, these days. So very last thing, cause we are so we've gone so long. This could end up being a two part episode. Who knows what's going to happen here. Uh, I just want to throw this out. Cause we're not the streamo boys. We're the, the BO boys, <laughs> but there was huge news before we got on the air that says AT&T, the owners of Warner Media, are spinning Warner Media off in a deal with Discovery to create a new streaming company. So, Jeff, do you want to give us the the your quick thoughts on this? It seems like AT&T is looking to get out of the entertainment biz. You know, they 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 realize maybe this is They'd rather just sell phones because yeah. why Why would you want to do anything other than sell phones and sell, you know, like airspace or whatever it is they sell? Yeah, get into getting satellites. Out of the movie biz. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about communication for AT&T. And it's, it's not a bad play, I think. Um, and it also means that what HBO, what Warner Media is doing really is 
is keeping up with Disney and Netflix. If we think mm -hmm. about the big three, we are thinking about Disney, Netflix, and Warner Media now. They are like CBS, NBC, and ABC back in the day. There mm -hmm. were big three networks. This is what we're looking at now. And adding Discovery Plus gives them, you know, it gives them the news. They got sports now, entertainment, lifestyle content, all those reality shows and tent poles all under one roof. This is what it's coming to, folks. This is what it's always been coming to. This is what Netflix will end up doing. I'm I, I won't wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of years to see them throw their hat in the ring to try to get some live sporting events as well. Right. You know, Disney's going to do it. Uh, they are doing it already. Um, so that's the play. That's the play is to be a fully functional, operational Death Star of entertainment. Yep. And um, that's what they're going for. And that leaves us, you know, it, it's weird because you remember back in the day, Fox became the number four studio. Like the, there was the big three and then Fox was on the scene and they became came like the fourth horseman, right? Mm -hmm. So that leads me to, well, okay, who's next then? If we are talking about four horsemen, who's going to survive? Is it Paramount Plus? Is it Peacock? Is it Amazon? Is it Apple? And if they don't survive, then who joins forces? Because you could right. consider thinking about those four companies in particular. You could say, wow, you know, if, if Apple combined with uh, Peacock, wow, that, that gives you a, a really strong component there. Or, or Amazon buys Paramount. That's, that's, that's strong. They'll have some nice legacy titles there. Um, so that's what it's about. I think overall, you know, we're just looking at, you know, who do you want in the bunker with you? Because this is a war for eyeballs. And, and uh, you know, Warner Media is going all in with, with or, or, or Discovery Plus is going all in. I don't know who's leading who, but I do know that them combining forces is, is a way to deal with Netflix and Disney. So do you, let's get a hot take prediction. Do you think that in a couple of years it will still be HBO Max as the mothership or it's going to be some kind of Warner Media Plus that combines Discovery Plus and what HBO is, and that's your subscription service. Will will HBO Plus or HBO Max still be a name that I'm subscribing to in the next year or two, or eventually that's going to become something else? Yeah, it's too confusing. Uh, HBO, yeah. HBO Max. I just I still don't get it. Um, HBO. Hey, they are the home box office. If if you guys are the box office boys, they were the home box office yep. boys, the homie box office boys way back when. They yep. knew. It's like it's almost like they predicted the future, right? So I would hate to see them lose the HBO because I think it was it was a re revelation what they did. Mm -hmm. And when you think about HBO, I think quality. Like I think quality way above any other streamer. You know, when I think about HBO shows, um just because what they pulled off in the past and what they're doing right now. They're like the A24 of streamers. So as much as I would hate to see the HBO name go, Warner Media makes more sense. It just right. does. Warner Brothers, Warner Media, that's been around. That's that's like ingrained in my brain as if, if I see that WB logo or the WM logo, I guess now, to me, that, that means something. Um, HBO doesn't quite, even though I, I love it, it doesn't quite have the branding, I think, that, that the WB logo has. And maybe they just turn it into WB, whatever, you know, the, you can easily call it the Warner Brothers Network or whatever it's going to be called, you know, mm -hmm. rather than the Warner Media Network or maybe even the Warner Network. But again, it's got to be simpler. It can't be all of these things. It can't be Discovery Plus presents HBO Max Warner Media. You know, it just right. can't. Right. Yeah. And, and I agree with you, Jeff. And, and me and Pat have had this argument. I think that HBO, yes, it 
its brand does mean quality. I think that means very little to young people, young subscribers. Yeah. And I think that's really where we're headed is that it's got to the Gen Z's and the young millennials have to care and they don't care about HBO because it doesn't mean as much yeah. to them as it meant to us. It would be very odd to have my thousand pound fiance being on HBO Max. It mm-hmm. you know, those Discovery Plus shows don't seem like HBO <laughs> shows and you're even stretching it when you're like you can watch friends on hbo max that doesn't work that doesn't seem to fit so i do think if you could watch friends on warner media or warner max something like that it'll just make more sense yep and i do think that yeah hbo as we know it will go the way of the dinosaur but it'll be a fondly remembered dinosaur Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and maybe it goes like when disney plus and, and they probably will just put Hulu into Disney plus. Cause it's just, it's weird to have them separate. You know, I would rather open my D plus and go to the Hulu. And maybe that's how HBO will exist as, right. as just a queue inside of their app. And I'm okay with that, you know, cause then I'll know, Hey, that's where all my cool friends live. You know, I'm going to go yeah. visit them, see if there's anything new. Uh, and, and you're right. I think the younger generation understands that. And, and we can keep some of these brand names alive, 20th century and, and these other things within the overall umbrella. And that makes me happy right. personally. It, it'll still, it's still a way of selling vintage t-shirts. Yes. You know, exactly. we're going to want to buy our original HBO logo yeah. hoodies on oh, the God. Warner media website still. So, so don't get rid of the logo. No, even if you no. get rid of the service, um, guys, I think we did it. I no, mean, we I definitely think the, did it. The main takeaway is we are excited for the summer. Summer movies are here, and there is something in the air tonight. I mean, you uh, nailed it. Jay. Yeah, yeah. Phil Collins, you guys, if you're not on this, Phil Collins, get on the YouTube's tonight, and just listen to the man's passion. He's talking about movies, and he's talking about movies this summer even though uh, he sang it in the 1980s. Yeah, he knew. So, Jeff, tell everyone again, where can they find your work? Where can they follow your takes and your analysis of the movie business? Guys, check me out on at ERC Box Office on the Twitters. That's where we are. You can check it out. You can subscribe to some of our services uh, at ERCBoxOffice.com. But mainly, I just, I'm going to implore that you guys just go to the movies this summer. I'm telling you, get your vax and wax and put on that, those tracks, those Phil Collins tracks, and get out there, man, to the max. Let's just do it, guys. Let's just, let's do it. I love it. And you can email us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. If you are a musician out there, a music producer, and you got some free time, go ahead Make the movie version, your Weird Al version of Phil Collins in the air tonight where you're putting the word movie in the song and send that to us at theboboyspodcast at gmail.com. If you make it, we'll play it after we check. You know, I guess we'll have to check like what, you know, we don't want to get the episode taken down. So just make it different enough that we won't get flagged by the copyright owners of that song but do is make it two it. notes is it just two notes that you have to change I can't yeah remember. i think i you know what whoever the musician is the music producer do the research figure out how many <laughs> notes you have to change then write and produce a song and then send it to us at the bo boys podcast at gmail 
Com. And we'll make it be it. three notes just in case. Just yeah. to be safe. Yeah. Just be safe. Yeah, whatever whatever you find on the internet, if it says two notes, make it three. If it says three, make it four. Just, you know, give yeah. us a little buffer. Because the B.O. boys don't want to be known for sending people to jail, right? Like, that's no. just bad. That's no. bad. No. That's bad biz. All right, so, guys. Well, one last thing real quick. Yeah. I just got a shout out. Uh, Adam from the Stacks. Yes. He's he's. He's down on the, in the front lines, in the stacks, telling us what's going on in theaters. And he did give us a little bit of a tip about our end music. I just mm-hmm. want to call this out. He said, cut it short because the algorithm will you'll benefit because people will listen to the whole episode. We, you know, we like to let our end theme go long. We're yeah. going to cut it short. And that is for you, Adam from the stacks. Thanks for looking out for our al- algorithm, bro. We are. We respect you. Very highly. So just want to shout him out. Thanks, Adam. All right, guys. There's nothing left to say except this was was amazing. (laughs) Until next time, we'll We'll smell smell you at the box office. Nailed it. Nailed it. Damn. You guys are good. Thank you.